Welcome back to one more episode of Building Families in the Faith. I'm Brian Johnson, and this is my lovely wife, Rebecca Johnson, and we're delighted that you're with us once again. Yes. Today we're going to, uh, last week we talked about obedience and importance of, of teaching and training our, our children uh, to be obedient, and we're going to continue uh, on that same thought process this week. Uh, to start off, let's read Proverbs 22.6. The Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we as parents um, are not only instructed and commanded throughout scriptures, not only this verse, but uh, to train our children, but the way we train our children when they're small, when they're young, when they're infants, will determine uh, the rest of their lives and how they turn out when they're older. Uh, so it's, it's not, again, um, it's not the church's responsibility, it's not the school's responsibility, it's not the government's responsibility. It's our responsibility as parents uh, to be training our children. Yes. Um, now, we have discussed the fact obedience is immediate, complete, and with a good attitude. But we're going to kind of start you with infants. Okay? And infants aren't necessarily going to be really good with immediate, complete, and good attitude. <laughs> <laughs> but do keep that in mind because that's going to be your goal in training. So you're training them as infants with the goal to get to the point <laughs> where your children will understand that obedience is immediate, complete, and with a good attitude. And as you mentioned, it is your responsibility. But the church is a tremendous tool. Yes. It's probably outside of the Bible, it is one of the most important tools you have. And one of the tragedies we're noticing today um, is how few parents are taking their children to nursery, mm -hmm. to Sunday school, and even to church through all the services. Um, a lot of parents in Christendom today go to church for the morning service. They don't come back Sunday night. They dead sure don't come back midweek. Well, because the kids have school, they're tired. Despite the fact that it isn't the church's responsibility to train your child, <laughs> your child needs to be in church. And that begins as an infant. Put that baby in the nursery. Guess what? He won't die. <laughs> it's a good place for him. Just like it's not the grocery store's responsibility to feed your kid without the grocery store, it's impossible to feed your kid. Yes. And the church, it's not its responsibility to rear your kid, but without the church, it is impossible to rear your kids right and properly and for God. Mm -hmm. And we need to get back to the understanding of our responsibility, first of all, of course, of, of rearing our kids and training them for God. Um, <clears throat> And certain philosophies behind that, and we'll probably go into that further on down the road, maybe even next week a little bit. But um, as we train up a child, and as they're an infant still, uh, and as they start growing, and as they start doing, uh, as they as they become children, there's a lot of training up a child doesn't have to be um, difficult, difficult, complicated, or or boring. Um, if you look back on your your education, uh, your favorite teachers were those who who made the subjects not boring. 
uh, and you, you became a lover of history because of a history teacher who knew how to develop and how to teach and how to make history come alive. You became a, a lover of science because of, of the teacher, not because of the subject, not because of mm -hmm. what you're doing necessarily, uh, normally because of the teacher and how they presented that. And as a parent, um, too often we just, in, in a manner of speaking, we monotonely train our children. <laughs> yes, we're very boring. <laughs> and we, what happens? You have a list, you stick to the list, you have no, no training, no, and, and it is really quite a useless training. We're going to talk specifically about this. Now, when you have an infant, let's start there because that's where it starts. Mm -hmm. So you bring that cuddly little thing home, and basically now for the next year, <clears throat> you're looking at a very slow development, okay? For the first three to four months, we have baby nurses, sleeps, poos, that's Rice. about it. <laughs> okay, now already you're going to know, uh, now if it's your first child, you may not be you as aware, learn it, but, yeah. but um, babies, the first month or two, there's not a lot of personality going on as you see it, um, especially to a dad. <laughs> there's just not a lot of personality <laughs> in that child. Um, but about three months, a baby can start to exert his will. Um, about three months, they can stay awake a little bit longer. They're a little, um, there's a little bit more time between nap time and sleep time. And, and they have a little bit more of awake time. They're starting to find their hands. They're starting to notice feet. Things are going into the mouth. This is exciting as they discover that, that all of this is attached to them. But it is also time that their personality starts to come out. Um, babies, newborn smile. And there's, you know, back in the Victorian period, the Edwardian period, they would be like, oh, babies don't even have personality until, I don't even know when they thought, but <laughs> <laughs> babies do smile as infant newborns. But- And even before three months, they're, they're even if you can't tell, they are analyzing and they are learning and they are right. watching. And we start to notice it at three months. Right. So be careful. Around three months, your child's personality is going to come out. And about three months is when they start throwing tantrums sometimes. That's shocking to most new, t new parents, first-time parents. By the time you've had second, third, fourth, you're going, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but that first baby, he throws that fit. And usually parents panic. What's wrong? Is he sick? Does he have a fever? I don't, I don't know what's going on. Well, check him. Obviously, check your child. Mm -hmm. um, you know, make sure the diaper's not too tight. He's not constipated. You know, they can maybe have colic. They can be constipated. But sometimes, they're just throwing a tantrum. And tantrums need to be dealt with. And infant tantrums are shocking, <laughs> embarrassing sometimes, not as baby babies at three months, you don't get embarrassed, mm -hmm. but they can shock you. When you suddenly realize, okay, he's been fully fed, he has no fever, as far as I can tell, there's no gas, how do you figure that out? You feel the tummy for the hardness, if there's a big hard ball, he's in pain, he's in pain okay? And as, a, I, I should come back to that in a second, yeah. but as a parent, you, you need to learn the different cries. Yes. Because a baby has a different cry for food, has a different cry for, for tiredness. Uh, those are closer, 
um, and definitely has a different cry for, for tantrum yeah, and for uh, does have a different cry for pain. So you have the baby will communicate with you and will even through his even though it's crying uh, will tell you what's wrong and will tell you what he, what needs to happen. And we as parents need to discern that and learn that and especially um, <clears throat> as we're trying to take away these tantrums or whatever, we need mm -hmm. to learn that that's what he's doing and not, not other things. Yes. So when you have eliminated all the other possibilities, okay, and this is your first baby. Now I'm telling you, by the second or third, you're just gonna ignore it and keep going because you've got too much to do. But that first baby can be the hardest one and the most shocking moments of life. You know, you're learning everything new. This poor child, you're practicing. Mm -hmm. And um, so, <laughs> baby is throwing a tantrum. Everybody talks about the terrible twos. Guess what? The terrible twos really start around three months. That's the beginning. If and you don't nip it in the bud, yes, it gets worse and worse and worse and becomes the terrible twos. So already you need to teach that child just because you're throwing a tantrum because you want me to pick him up. Mm -hmm. I say him a lot because I had all boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you want to pick that baby up. Sometimes baby needs to learn to deal with it. Leave that child there and let them scream. Yes. When it is bedtime, be careful, very careful about making your bedtime routine where you have to nurse them and rock them to go to sleep. Yep. Yes, babies at three months need to feed before bedtime. I understand that. So you feed baby, burp baby, bathe baby, put them in bed and walk away. Let him cry it out. Mm -hmm. Children who are conditioned this way are very hard to wean yes. off of either the breast or the bottle. Yes. Extremely hard. You can have two <coughs> and three-year-olds that cannot be taken off the breast or bottle. And why? Because they are conditioned to this movement, to sleep. And that means every nap, every time, you are locked into this. You need to watch out for that. Yes, it's very sweet and cuddly, but it's not good for baby. And also never ever sleep with your child. Right. I'm all for schedules. I'm all for having a structure and that's very good and, and proper in its place. But also you need to, part of the training process of, 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 of the infant is to teach them not to only, to, to be able to, to, um, to live outside of structure. Um, you, you need to be able, they need to be able to sleep anywhere. Yes. Or under any condition. Right. We purposefully sometimes made our kids sleep complete darkness. No, uh, no nightlight. No nightlight, nothing, complete darkness. Sometimes we made our kids sleep in light in the afternoon, not at night, but in the afternoon. Sometimes we'd leave a light on or very bright in there um, because we're conditioning them. It's not their way and only their way in multiple arenas. Of course, we're we were training. going to be missionaries mm -hmm. and we knew we were going to be on the road a lot and we knew that there was going to be a lot of, of um, differences, circumstances, different areas that they're going to have to fall asleep in. And so we already started training them in that way. But in, in training them to, to, to um, not have their own way always yes. or ever really, um, and we would train them, okay, you sleep complete darkness. You sleep sometimes with the night light. You sleep sometimes in the afternoon with the door wide open and the light right outside there br bright, bright, or the curtain open so that it was bright. 
and we're training them. This is all training. This is all preparing them because when they become adults, it's not going to be all their ways and they need to be learn to be flexible. Right. Your boss is going to want something one day and sometimes he's going to want something completely different the next day. And if you haven't trained them to be flexible as an infant, this is going to be very difficult for them as adults. Yes. And on that note too, you also need to train them to sleep in silence and treat train them to sleep in noise. Right. That is extremely important. Run the vacuum cleaner. Mm -hmm. um, turn on a radio. Mm -hmm. And not night-night songs. Um, make noise. One of the most complicated things is when parents have such a rigid routine for bedtime that when you're visiting at someone's home, um, it, it just gets... So everybody has <laughs> to... You, you have to give up a whole room for this visiting child mm -hmm. Everybody has to alter their behavior. The child is going nuts because he can only sleep in one place. That's another thing. Vary where you take nap times. Right. Maybe put them in their crib and then maybe put them on the couch mm -hmm. where you can watch. Obviously, this is not for a roller. Right. Okay. You have to be aware of this. This is for a child that cannot roll. And if you put them on a couch or something, you need to be there the whole time watching right. to make sure nothing happens. But vary locations, vary things in their life to accustom them to be able to take a nap anywhere and this can work we mm -hmm. had our youngest son bless his heart <laughs> that kid learned now his i will say his favorite place to sleep was in the car yes <laughs> well he was a missionary yeah. <laughs> um, i will say this uh in all this very variation do have a strict set of things for example it is bedtime we read right. a story you have your blanket and that bit stays the same no matter where or how you're going to do nap time that day. So that there is something in the child's mind that makes it very clear this is nap time. And you say, but my baby's three months old. Yes, go ahead and start reading. Number one, that will help his education. Yes. Start <laughs> reading to him when he's in the womb by the, the yes. uh, is the best for, for the child, by the way. And, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend night-night music the reason is that um, you are conditioning them in their teen years to not be able to sleep without music and a lot of teenagers do not pick the right music and parents aren't listening we're going right. to talk about that later but all that to say coming back to this get your routine that can be flexible mm -hmm. and our little lee who's not so little anymore married now but um, <laughs> his routine works so well that I could be anywhere, literally. Uh, we were at my brother-in-law's wedding and it went way, way too long. Anyway, <laughs> and we um, got back to the hotel. We were exhausted. Of course, the kids had not been able to take a nap because it was a wedding and it was very complicated and, and, and different. It was a Mexican wedding, so I was like out of my element. We got back to the hotel and I literally handed him his blanket and the family had gathered in the hotel lobby and I looked over and he was in the middle of the floor sound asleep because I handed him his blanket and he knew that meant time it was time bed. to go to bed. Yep. And he put himself down. I hadn't even had time to think about it because we were just so busy. But it can be done. So this is the beginning. It sounds odd. Oh, but it's just nap time. Well, guess what? An infant, that's pretty much all he does is sleep. You know, so <laughs> this is the beginning of training. It says to train up your child. And whether you realize it or not, nap time training is the base of all your training in the future. If you can get nap time training down, you're teaching them not to get their own way. 
If they throw a tantrum at nap time and they're screaming and yelling and you've already checked and they're fine, let them scream it out. Don't go get them. Don't cuddle them. Don't teach them that I can throw a tantrum to get what I want. All of this happening already. They will continue doing that, and when they're kids, they'll do it in the grocery store, and you see it all over the place. But that all started when they're two, three months old. And people don't realize I'm training my child for how he's going to live the rest of his life already at three months. Mm -hmm. This is such an important and moldable time. And they're tiny. You're huge. You win. Okay. (laughs) You can do this, Mom. The biggest issue is mothers get emotionally, and part of this, do check and make sure you don't have postpartum blues, stuff like that. Um, A baby crying lets down your milk, which is uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, And especially as a first-time mom, you can have that milk let down at all the wrong times and you're terribly uncomfortable, and you're like, would you just nurse, kid? I can't take it anymore. (laughs) So you have all this going on, and sometimes you can be depressed because of hormones Mm -hmm. after your pregnancy, and so if the baby's crying, it depresses you, and you start crying, and and it creates a vicious cycle. Do check for depression. Do check for postpartum depression if you can't handle the crying of your child. And dads can get a little bit annoyed. Why won't that kid shut up? Okay. Both of you need to realize this is a time of training and you need to get on the same page and understand, okay, yes, you've nursed him. He's fine. Yes. Diapers changed. This is honestly, uh, to many parents, it's a time of developing your patience. Yes. <laughs> and who's going to win? Are you right. going to hold out and let him cry it out until he stops? Or are you going to cave in and pick him up? Uh, it can go, for, sometimes it can go for oh. long times. That, that kid it's can cry and cry and cry <laughs> and cry for hours. But who's going to win? Uh, and hopefully you're an adult. Um, hopefully you're man enough, woman enough to win this battle. And it is a battle. Because if you lose this battle at three months, at two months or two years, you're going to lose it too. <laughs> at 16, you're definitely going to lose it. And when they're adults, you're going to be so, so distraught. And the Bible teaches us that when we rear them up properly, when we when we create or we rear wise children, that brings such a joy to the parents. But when we create or when we rear a fool, mm-hmm. the rest of our lives as parents, they're out of the house, mm-hmm. but we're going to be mourning. Right. Uh, it, it's easy? No. It's hard. It's hard to leave that three-month-old baby in that crib or wherever he is at that point and crying. It's not the funnest thing in the world either. Um, it hurts your ears. <laughs> it <laughs> it hurts, hurts your, your heart. heart. <laughs> yes. It hurts your emotions. But we need to be mature enough to, to have the victory there because we're training them. Mm-hmm. We're preparing them to be better better people, better Christians, better, well, they're not even Christians yet, but to, <laughs> uh, we're preparing them to submit to God someday. Um, and if they don't submit to us, they definitely won't submit to God. Right. Um, and, and we'll go out, and our time is running out. Wow, it's yes. flown by. But, um, <laughs> so much to say. <laughs> we'll go on uh, giving tips, and, and this is just one area here. But let me just say this. The Bible does say, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do needs to have a purpose, and the greater purpose, of course, is for, uh, for God's glory. But everything we do with our kids has to have a, or should have a purpose. And when they're three months old, we have a purpose of training them, of disciplining them, of creating someone who will get saved at a young age and will give their lives over to God.
So thanks for joining us today. I hope you join us again next week as we continue uh, our talks here in Building Families.